millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. And we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases. But the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads. Because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Several days ago, I was in Sydney, spending time with mum and dad, and we were walking through Darlinghurst. And we walked past the Victor Chang Cardiac Research Institute, and outside there is a statue of Victor Chang. Now, for those of you in Australia, you will absolutely know who Victor Chang was. For those of you outside Australia, you might also actually know who Victor Chang was. He was, well, let's just say he was very important in the world of medicine. He founded the National Heart Transplant Program at St. Vincent's Hospital, which has performed thousands of successful transplants. He was awarded, actually he was voted Australian of the Century by the people of Australia, and he was awarded our country's highest honor, a Companion of the Order of Australia in the year 2000. He was a humanitarian, he was a visionary, and he died in 1991 on the 4th of July. And Dad and I were walking along, and Dad said, we should probably do something about the murder of Victor Chang. And we both agreed to do just that. Hmm. So, Dad, who was Victor Chang? For our listeners, I think it's good to get an overview of the person. So, look, I'm going to be fairly succinct in just painting a bit of a picture in terms of... He was born on the 24th of November, 1936, which sounds a long time ago, in Shanghai, China. Lived to the age of 54 which is, it's young. And I was reading about the cause of death, and they put it very sort of bluntly. And he's, the cause of death is described as murder, ballistic trauma. So ballistic meaning that he was shot. Um, he was an Australian citizen, went to Sydney University, was a pioneer of heart transplantation and he was really active between 1960 and 91. Mm. Now, he was regarded highly at St. Vincent's and he worked with a couple of seriously famous, you know, mentors and they took him under their wing and he was so good that they sent him to work in London. And he also became a resident at the most famous hospital in America. Paul, do you know what that hospital is? After completing his medical education, Chang interned at St. Vincent's, which I just discussed, under the tutelage. Now, that's a word that isn't used enough. Cardiac surgeon Mark Shanahan. Mm. 
Okay. Now, Mark sent him to London to train with the great British surgeon, Aubrey York Mason. What a cool name. Now, Chang became a fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons in 1966. I was six years of age then. And then became a fellow of the of the uh, Mayo Clinic. That's all right, remember? The Mayo Clinic? Mm. Um, you, you've never heard of that? No, I've not. No. Mate, it's, it's big time. Not, not to be confused with the Mayonnaise Clinic. Which is very different, obviously. Totally different. Largely egg-based medicine. Yeah. <laughs> but um, here's a little... And this is kind of a beautiful story. And it's a, one of those serendipitous stories, Paul, that when I read it, I kind of... It made me feel a touch poignant about this story. Because mm-hmm. as we're going to discover, this has got so many interactions and connections with my with the things that I've done in my life. Like, it's absolutely amazing. So, imagine there's a party in London in the 60s. There's a a girl, you know, teenager. She gets crook at the party. She goes to the hospital. And who does she meet there, Paul? I'm guessing Victor Chang. She meets Victor Chang. And they end up getting married. And they have three children. Isn't that incredible? Imagine if she hadn't have gone to that party. We wouldn't be having this discussion today, would we? No, no, we wouldn't. Isn't it amazing? The sort of the serendipitousness. I've never heard that word. I've never heard the word pronounced quite like that. But congratulations. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah. what what were you going to say? No, I just, I think it's really interesting how much of an impact Victor Chang made. I mean, growing up, you know, I was born in 1983 so I was alive when he was murdered. Mm. But at the same time, growing up around Sydney, you just, you see mention of him everywhere. The impact he had was, I mean, look, I have never required any heart surgery, thank God. But mm. he was an absolute pioneer. He invented this artificial heart valve. Um, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It's it's basically an invention that ended up saving a lot of people. It was used to replace heart valves that have been damaged, right? Because mm. there's, there's four valves in the heart that regulate the flow of blood in and out of the organ. And they deteriorate. And so he created this little valve that has a disc in it that would swivel back and forth and allow blood to flow through. Mm. And it's it saved countless lives. Mm. Uh, it says here, Dr. Chang was instrumental in the establishment in 1984 of the National Cardiac Transplant Unit at St. Vincent's Hospital, Australia's leading centre for heart and lung transplant. A lung transplant, Jesus. While the first heart transplant in Australia was performed at St. Vincent's in 1968, success rates were poor until improved anti-rejection drugs became available in 1980. Dr. Chang led a team of 40 in performing heart and lung transplants for the following decade, just saving countless lives. So look, now that we've established what kind of a person he was mm. and we know that he was murdered, mm. I want to try and paint a really full picture of how and why and where and when okay, this cool. happened. Yep. Okay. So, Paul, you and your siblings... Yes. ...born and bred on the northern beaches of Sydney. That's correct. You've heard of the suburb of Clontarf? Yeah. Where is that near? Okay, so if you're heading over the spit bridge towards the beaches and you look down to your right very quickly if you look for a long time you'll probably have a, a head-on collision with a with a car coming the other way so just briefly glance down and there is one of the most salubrious suburbs definitely on the northern beaches it's an enclave 
It basically has no through traffic. When you go down onto the beach, it's just... Look, it's on Sydney Harbour. It's There are houses down there that you can walk out of the back door of these houses. You literally step onto the sand and into the harbour. Okay. And it's it's very, very expensive real estate. Now, Dr. Victor Chang, he lived in Clontarf yep. with his family. Mm-hmm. Now, it's one of the most fascinating, and I'm sort of reaching into my my little bag of words, and I know that I use the same words over and over, which I, I kind of, you know, I'd like to sort of expand my vocabulary in these podcasts to sort of enunciate and promulgate um, oh someone, someone someone's been using the word of the day toilet paper i got them yeah so i just like to because the english language is a beautiful language and it's very descriptive yeah. so he was obviously living in an affluent suburb and he no doubt worked incredibly hard he his real passion in life one of one of his one of the great passions of his life he collected motor vehicles really really great motor vehicles one of the cars that he had was a mercedes-benz 500 sl now it's fair to say that in 2022 there are so many luxury cars on the road there it's just a there's a plethora of beautiful cars but let's go back the morning of the 4th of July 1991 that type of car a car that I'm familiar with the 500SL back then was a serious motor car if you saw one driving on the street it would be a head turner unlike if you saw one of those cars today very few people would give it a second glance the thing is Paul that there was a magazine article published in Sydney, and I'm going to use the the parl is it, what's the word parlance parlance yes of the day, yeah. and this particular magazine story, I'm, I'm quoting now, Asians that have done well in Sydney. That's the headline of this particular article, and in that article, it mentioned people from an Asian background. Chinese, Japanese, Filipino, Malay, Vietnamese, all the different nationalities that have come to Australia, and this was about those Asians that had achieved perceived greatness. And there was a there was a big story on Victor Chang, and in that story, it spoke about his wealth. His cars, his love of Porsches, etc. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there were three gentlemen. Two of them were Malaysian. And they decided, because they were in, in an incredible amount of debt uh, due to gambling, so they came up with the idea, uh, the three of them, that they would track this guy down. Now, to do that, back then, 
taking into consideration that Victor Chang drove such a relatively rare motor vehicle, it would have been very easy for them. And I'm, I'm, I'm even going to surmise, I hate to think this is the case, but it's possible that they even could have looked him up in the telephone book. Right, okay. Would there have been any reason for Dr. Victor Chang to have anonymity? Probably not. They may well have gone to... This is something that I'd, I'd like to sort of... You know, one thing I've noticed about this particular case, Paul, and I'm not sure whether you've noticed this, but I found it fairly difficult to extract information. Me too. Very it's, much so. It's, yeah. I don't know why. Um, the majority of stuff I found was, and I'm sure you encounter the same roadblocks, tributes to Victor Chang, completely mm. understandable. Yep. And then primarily pieces about the parole of the people who did it. Mm as they were being deported back to their home countries relatively recently, but I couldn't find much about the actual timeline of the crime I know. beyond a book or two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just parenthetically, everyone, we should add that the reason we're doing, part of the reason we're doing this case anyway on uh, Loose Units, The Shadow Files, is because once again, Dad has a couple of really weird links to this case, quite personal links mm. that we'll get to later. But I mean... It's really tricky finding any kind of breakdown of the crime that isn't deeply evocative or, you know, subjective. But you're right. They were desperate for money and they mm. were planning to extort this guy. And it was Thursday, 4th of July, 1991. Mm. But, Paul, there'd been two previous attempts. Go on. So, I mean, remember in the family law court bombings, we know that the offender, you don't look up a judge's name and find out where he lives. Mm-hmm. That, that's a fact. So, and in this case, it's it's probable, I would like to think, that they didn't look up his details in the phone book. Okay. It's just, it, to me, it seems as though driving a pretty special type of car, they may well have tailed him, which would have involved surveillance outside St. Vincent's Hospital. And let's face it, and more so back then, in the early 90s, this area, Darlinghurst, King's Cross, was, and to a lesser extent now, but still is, it's pretty dodgy. So if you're a bit of a... It's the type of suburb that if you are in a shitbox motor car, there would have been three guys, and from my general duties experience in the New South Wales Police Force, during the day, three guys in a car was an alarm bell. Generally speaking, um, it would be at least an indicator to pay more attention to the occupants of that car. <clears throat> so, let's imagine that they eventually find out where he lives. The plan, they had on two occasions, they were going to go into his house. They actually went to his house, the three of them, and they were going to break into the house like a home invasion they were going to tie up Victor Chang. They were then going to threaten to hang all the members of his family, meaning his children and the wife. Yeah. Whilst they tried to extort a substantial sum, there have been, um, my research has indicated that they were talking around about $3 million, which is a fucking lot of money back then. That To convert that into today's money... I reckon you'd be talking a minimum of 10 million. I don't know what they were thinking. Like, go to the bank and get this guy to withdraw? I mean, 
it's 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 crazy. It's well, crazy stuff like that does link back to the desperation you were talking about, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, okay. So they hatched a plan. So there were two occasions. So they they rocked up to the house on the first occasion, but yeah. there was another car in the driveway, ah, which okay. means to me that they really did know that they'd cased this joint in Clontarf, the, the most beautiful suburb. Yeah, it would have been a palatial home, and they've seen another car in the driveway, and they thought shit. And they, they, they pulled the pin. Second occasion, for some reason, decided not to go with it. And then the third guy, whose surname NG indicates to me that's a Vietnamese uh, surname, hmm. he fortuitously, as fate would have it, decided not to be involved in the third attempt. Thank God. And he was granted immunity because he gave evidence against the other two criminals, Mm. Malaysian criminals. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mm-hmm. And on this fateful morning, now, Paul, you know Military Road, you know the spit. I do. I know the street that Dr. Victor Chang would have come out. It's halfway down the spit on the left-hand side as you're heading towards the city. There's a gradual stream of cars that come out there. They go into the transit lane, which means you have to have more than three people in your motor vehicle to use that lane. Otherwise, you've got to be in a bus or a motorbike. He would have then slowly made his way into the center lane. Mm -hmm. It's a trip that I do five days a week when I'm coming back from Manly to the city. He 
drove down the spit, over the spit bridge. Then you go along, you've got a beautiful marina on the left, marina on the right. It's a very beautiful suburb. It's a very thin strip of land. Yeah. You then start the trip up the hill, Paul, where there's a speed camera. There would not have been one. Then you go around the bends and you start to head towards Spit Junction. Unbeknownst to Dr. Victor Chang, he was being followed by a motor vehicle with two offenders. Okay? And when he turned right at Spit Junction and started heading towards the city, bearing in mind that he was working at St. Vincent's Hospital, which would involve going over the Sydney Harbour Bridge, at a certain point that I know very, very well, this car ran into the back of his car. It was a shitbox car. They just basically slammed into the back of his car, into his car that is a prestige motor vehicle and very valuable. Probably back then would have been worth, I'm I'm thinking around about maybe you know one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, but They're, when you're tr- when you're tracking a rich guy to extort him, the fact that he's driving a very 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 expensive car probably just backs up your case, right? Like it it provides yeah. a constant reminder of why yeah. you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. These two guys were desperate. Mm. They were completely. And now the thing about this, and listeners, it's very important to to remember, it's daytime, it's peak hour traffic, conceivably. And I'll just jump forward a little bit. There were actually, to this particular crime that's about to take place, there were 14 witnesses. So they just actually, they completely lost the plot. They, I mean, to do something like this, anyway, what happens is when they tailgate him and then sort of rear-end him, Dr. Victor Chang, you can't stop in this three-lane sort of, just insane traffic because you'll create utter havoc and Victor Chang kind of in a in a sort of a really good and sensible and caring and considerate sort of act he then veered over to the the curbside lane which is the uh, which is the transit lane which has got buses just roaring down towards the city Mm -hmm. and then he pulled into a side street he drove along the side street. It's a very short street. I've been there, and next time you're up in Sydney, we'll go and check it out, Paul. We can go because there's a memorial there. Yeah. And Dr. Victor Chang gets out of the car, obviously, because that's what you do if someone's run into the back of you. And generally speaking, in motor traffic law, if someone runs into the back of you, they're in the wrong. So you have to exchange particulars, which you're obliged to under the New South Wales Motor Traffic Act, and all this would have been... And, and at, at, at this point, I imagine, bearing in mind that I'm sort of fairly loath to to cast my feelings and my sort of emotions onto Dr. Victor Chang, but having been to, when I was working general duties in that very, very same suburb, so I would mm. have been to so many motor vehicle accidents, the thing is that everything would have appeared at this stage to be very normal exchange particulars. That's the first thing you do. So the gentleman approached Victor Chang and very quickly Victor Chang realised that they were in fact trying to extort money from him. And one of the men, there became sort of a heated argument. 
I've gone through some of the police reports and the detective in charge, Detective Sergeant Dennis O'Toole, who was the head detective with the granny murders and, you know, he was he was basically the top gun at North Sydney Police Station. He later said that... I managed to track down some of the the comments that Dennis O'Toole made, which are very interesting. And it is alleged that Dr. Chang took his uh, wallet out and said to them, the, the two offenders, and at this stage there was no... There was no sign of a gun. It was just a sort of a crazy situation. And Dr. Chang actually said to these guys, look, um, I'll write you a check. You know, how much do you need? And he, under those circumstances, realising that he's dealing with something really bizarre, but being a very logical, you know, sort of man, very... But he started... The situation started to get a little bit out of control when he, you know, he would have perhaps offered them a few thousand dollars, which is still not to be sneezed at, and, they, and then all of a sudden the realisation that they were actually after millions of dollars, and it's, it's, it's madness. And then all of a sudden one of the offenders takes out a, uh, a revolver. And at that point you just can't imagine what Dr Victor Chang must have thought. And he shot Victor Chang. And Paul, I've got the, um, the details as to the injuries, which I think I'll read to you if that's okay. Okay. So the first bullet, the first shot entered the right cheek. So just just sit there, Paul, and just touch your right cheek. And the bullet exited below the right ear. Yeah. I've, so I've got a quote here from Detective Sergeant Dennis O'Toole, um, and it was delivered at a press conference a few days after the shooting, and it's in regards to this first shot. Yeah. Yep. He said the, the first shot didn't even break a tooth. Mm. Dr. Chang would have woken up, and apart from probably a mark on his cheek, that would have been it. Mm. Lou didn't have to fire that second shot. That was the callousness of it all, the senselessness. Mm. So That's the first right. shot would, would not have killed him. Correct. It was just a, a, what's called a graze. Okay. But then the second shot, fired from point-blank range, entered his right temple. So imagine point blank, meaning pretty well up against the uh, mm. the skull. Yeah. There's only one way for the bullet. The bullet can't go anywhere else. It comes out of the barrel and it enters his right temple and it goes into his brain and kills him. And at that point, there was a witness. The witness had watched the entire event unfold and then the offender who just shot Victor Chang fatally then pointed the gun at this witness who's just walking along the street. This is Goff, right? Yeah. David Goff. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, imagine that. Can you imagine witnessing a shooting and then the, the, the shooter points the gun at you? You're fucked. Yeah. Bearing in mind that there are thousands of cars passing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a street in Mossman that is, or Cremorne that's you know, it's, it's a very short street. It's not a cul-de-sac. And weirdly, as a side, a few years later they changed the name of the street, which is very, very rare. I don't know why they did that. I'd maybe make some inquiries. So the two offenders then decamped from the scene. However, one of them, 
He left something at the scene, didn't he? What did he leave? His wallet. Now, let's talk about this. Because this is absolutely crazy. (sighs) Typically speaking, after a murder, the police really have to bust their guts to find out who did it, where they went, who they were. But it really does speak to that desperation you were talking about. You know? Unbelievable. Oh my, and, oh and, um, but, 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 you know, in that same area, uh, I, I attended a very serious sexual assault one night and the guy had left after he'd sexually assaulted a woman in the car park of a hotel. He left his pen knife with his name on it, engraved into the pen knife. And he left it at the scene. Oh, my God. I mean, like it a, happens. People leave credit cards. They, it's like a fucking monogrammed handkerchief. It's crazy. It's. But um, imagine, imagine, Paul, if... If that wasn't the case, and you, as an innocent person, had left your wallet or lost your wallet at the scene of a future murder. Yeah. It's like the time Christine and I were down in sort of Sydney Harbour, down at the rocks, and we saw the cash register till. So this is just an an example of being in the wrong place at the wrong time and doing something that you shouldn't have done that I did. So Christine and I... We're down at, it's technically Barangaroo. When was this? Oh, mate, it's, it's years ago. Okay. It's okay. so long ago. And we're going over this this huge concrete wharf, uh, sort of a walkway that takes you over traffic going underneath. Mm-hmm. We're heading down into, remember that beautiful restaurant you took Christina and myself to, mum and myself to, that amazing circular one, with the, and they did that incredible dessert, the Asian place, remember that? Was this an Indian place? Mm, Malay. We, it was one of your favourite restaurants down Oh, it was so good. Chinteria Temple of Correct. Love. Correct. That's it. And, and we used to go there. And that this is where this happened. Christine and I are walking across this this walkway. I see a till, just the till from a cash register, and I remember it. It was black. And I looked at it. We both stood there, and I reached down, and I touched it. Why? Because I wanted to see if it had any money in it. Because it's you, a till. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. Okay. How easily accessible was this till? It was just sitting on the footpath. On, on the this footpath. bridge. On a bridge. Yeah. Right. So it's not you're not reaching over the counter into a store. There is a completely free floating open yeah. cash register Correct. sitting on a bridge. But and it was you, it was upside down. So the yeah, first you, or one of the thoughts is shit. This. I mean, I'd already figured out, Paul, fairly clearly that it was possible, fairly strongly likely, that it had been involved in a crime. I thought maybe there'd been like a smash and grab and someone's bolted, Yeah, got to a place that's very, very sort of... Um, what's just sort of away from a particular, you know, the crime. So yeah. someone... This is going through my mind at the time, and Christine concurred, but the cash register tray was upside down, sort of at a bit of a funny angle. So I then reached down and I turned it over, looked at it, and we both left it there. There was no money in the register, in the tray. We then went out for the night. And then a few months later, Paul, I get a phone call on an unlisted number. And they said, yes, this is you know, detective such and such. Um, It was so surreal. Oh, God. (laughs) They said, have you ever been to such and such a bar? And I said, where's that? And they said, it's down at 
Barangaroo in that in that precinct. And I said, no, I've never in my life been to that place. And they, they'd sussed me out. They knew I was an ex-police officer, which was fortuitous because they kind of, you know, sort of let me in on a few of the details. And they said to me, your fingerprints were found on this, uh, you know, this cash register tray that was involved in a crime where at a bar in that area, someone had jumped the counter and reefed the tray out of the till and bolted. And they didn't say anything more at that stage and I thought, okay, I worked at the Central Fingerprint Bureau. My fingerprints have been found on something and it was a fairly decent amount of money. So it was what's called an indictable offence, which carries a sentence of jail. Yeah. And fingerprints don't lie, Paul. And I said to these guys, I said, I'm basically fucked, aren't I? I said, how on earth can I... And then I remembered, I said, look, my wife and I, we were walking, we saw the cash register, we touched it. And they kind of let me really sweat it out badly. And I was really feeling, you know, because I understand the evidence and I thought I'm 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 fucked the fact that you're an ex-police officer doesn't mean jack shit plenty of police commit crimes I mean that's that's a given during before before during and after their careers and then they really really kind of then they were kind of kind of nice and they just said look um we know it wasn't you and I said, how do you know? And they said, and they saved this till the last second. It was really, really stressful, Paul. I really, I really felt pretty, pretty crook because it's pretty difficult to explain one's fingerprints. Yeah. And they said, we've got CCTV footage of the guy and he, I mean, it wasn't you. So then why'd they let you sweat? Because they were having fun with me. That's fucked. Maybe they were fans of the show. Oh, wait, this would have been way before the show. Oh, yeah, way, way. It's probably 10 years ago. But that's an example of touching something that you probably shouldn't have. And in hindsight, it was pretty silly of me to actually touch that thing because I kind of knew what what the story was. But the upshot here is that basically they saw the ad in the magazine. They've been described as bumbling. I Mm. mean, you know, lethal, obviously, but bumbling and panicked. So... From, this is from an article in Perth now. When Dr. Chang refused to go quietly, the bumbling criminals panicked and Lou shot the doctor twice in the head. They were caught after Lou carelessly dropped his wallet next to the body. So not, you know, down the road, mm. literally at the crime scene, at which yeah. point you pretty much just get the wallet, go, huh, and then go straight to wherever the criminal is. Um, mm. Mm. The people who murdered Dr. Victor Chang have been caught. And next week we're going to look at the details of the crime, but also the conviction. And then we're going to look at the way in which Dad is connected to this case. It's yet another very strange story because we were walking past the statue out the front of the Institute several days ago. I was in Sydney interviewing the cast of Stranger Things and we're walking along, I think going to get ice cream or something, and we sat there and had this very silent moment and then Dad just sort of blurted out a bunch of stuff, which we'll reveal next week on part two of our look at the murder of Dr. Victor Chang. And it was really, it's really odd 
Dad, how you are connected in so many strange ways. It's like a spider's web, how you are connected to some of the most iconic crimes in Australia. But here mm. we are, you know. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. It's really amazing to look at the accomplishments of Victor Chang and realize how much good he did and how much of an impact he had and how strange and tragic and pointless his murder was. Mm. But next week, we're going to go even deeper. So... Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. As usual, if you want to get in touch, you can head across to facebook.com forward slash loose units. We'll be back on Friday with a really, truly odd episode of Loose Ends, our weekly spin-off podcast. But in the meantime, stay safe, everyone, and we will see you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.